the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one on round one laura babcock is here from power group communications also host of the o show mark warner is an international trade lawyer tim hudak former leader of ontario's conservatives he's now at the ontario real estate association uh let's start with what some people might call mischief and others uh, would say is a possibly injurious uh, moment of mayhem. Bunch of kids on a bus in Scarborough on Monday. Listen in. This is one girl opening, well, I presume actually, one child uh, turning on basically a Roman candle. Super. Okay, uh, Laura Babcock, your thoughts? Well, I hope that they get caught, of course, and that they are reprimanded. And I don't know what the legal punishment should be, but I'm thinking heavy fines to their families might help discourage this kind of idiotic behavior. You know, uh, we're planning some travel in Europe this summer, and we'll be doing a lot of it with our family on their public transit. And if I looked up Toronto as part of a trip that I was going to be taking and saw all the violent incidents on the TTC and this kind of ridiculous behavior by these kids who terrified those other passengers. You know, a firework going off in close proximity in a contained space is no joke. Uh, so I, TTC and uh, the Toronto Police have to do everything they can to make sure that this be, they send a message with this kind of behavior and they start to turn around uh, what we're seeing on the TTC or there's going to be long-term economic impacts for the City of Toronto. And Tim Hudak, I mean, this really is a situation where somebody could have lost an eye. Yeah, for sure. What a bunch of morons. They, they should come down with the full weight of the law on them. And if the teenagers can't pay the families and their families, or sorry, pay the bills and their families should be held uh, 100% accountable. You know, this I think reinforces a feeling uh, of TTC riders that there's a lack of security that could have seen this. But it does look like, John, that they left a lot of digital fingerprints, a lot of witnesses. So go get them. Yeah, Mark Warner, I mean, the person who lit the firework is clearly visible on the video. I can't imagine it's going to take long for for police to track them down. I mean, they probably will. You know, the, the modern technology uh, does allow for that. So, um, you know, I, 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 where I would dissent a little bit is this going after the family stuff. I mean, this is terrible. It's bad. It's irresponsible behavior. I wouldn't want to ruin their lives over this, John. I, I think this is separate and distinct from the other acts of violence that we've noticed on the TTC recently. I think people need to separate some of this stuff. This is kids being kids. It's kids have always been irresponsible. Here's a newsflash. Kids will be irresponsible in the future, too. Uh, it's just the way of the world. Bad. Yeah, but I've got kids, Mark, and if my son or daughter uh, did something like this, I would fully expect that our family is somehow implicated in it and having to deal with it. Not to say that we're responsible for the child's actions in that moment, but as a family, if there's going to be fines and fees, that's something that's going to impact us. And as they're minors, if these kids are minors, then as parents, we have to take some accountability for that. So it wouldn't ruin our lives, but it would certainly be a learning moment and something maybe that uh, would cause us a bit of a burden. But look at what these kids did to the people on that bus, you know? So I, I want this message to go out to the kids and the parents out there. Yes, we can't control our teenagers. God, I know that. Uh, but we do, as families, still have to have a sense of expectation and we have to have a sense of responsibility and accountability. 
Anthony Fury seems to have broken through by holding a press conference and talking about free crack pipes, which he says are branded City of Toronto. It's not like they're etched with the city's logo. They come in a bag that says that they came from the City of Toronto. Uh, but Mark Warner, let me come back to you. Um, you know, Anthony Fury is, is identifying something that has existed for a long time, but like I said, he's breaking through because people are going, really? You know, I would say I'm not paying too much attention to the mayoral election yet, but what I have noticed is that, you know, he and Mitzi Hunter um, seem to be running very professional campaigns to me. That's one thing I've noticed. And I, you know, without commenting on their, whether I agree with their ideas or not, it's sort of both, both sort of noteworthy that way. Um, look, I, I, look, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this uh, harm reduction stuff other than to say I spent about a year and a half as a candidate in the downtown Toronto riding. And, uh, you know, it's interesting to me as I did the things that no-name candidates do, which is to go to all candidates' meetings and police-civilian uh, relationship, uh, so, so police-citizen, uh, whatever it is, community relations meetings. And this came up a lot. And what struck me at the time was how the people for whom this was an issue were not the kind of people who you sort of hear on the radio. You expect to get there were people who were stereotypically left were the people who actually had a lot of sensitivity about the... Um, needles being found in the parks and going into their dog's feet or their children's feet. And um, yeah, I think that this is one of those sleeper issues out there that uh, where, where the public conversation doesn't match how people really feel about it in their day-to-day -day lives, when apart from the rhetoric. Okay, well, let me go to Tim Hudak on this then. And Tim, you know, Anthony Fury said that a whistleblower had uh, passed those two props onto him. And of course, that whistleblower would merely have to be somebody who has access to the city of Toronto's website. <laughs> Well, either way, there, there is no doubt there's going to be a, a voting cohort who object to the, you know, taxpayer-funded uh, drug clinics in, in the city. The federal conservatives are making some mileage out of that policy as well. I wouldn't want one in my neighborhood, John, and I think a lot of people that live in those neighborhoods are concerned about the types of individuals hanging around in associated crime. So I do think Anthony Fury is breaking through my little poll of nine people at the, uh, <laughs> the uh, my parent council. My parent council tonight, Anthony Fury, had two voters there. I think he's making some headway. Laura Babcock, you know, whether or not it's a revelation to, you know, people who know how harm reduction works, it was a very effective strategy yesterday, I think. Well, you know what, Anthony has worked in the media, right? And he's a commentator. And this I chalk up to more commentary than leadership, because what is the solution? Rehab, yeah, we know. But what is the actual solution? How are we funding that? How are we going to transition people? How are we going to do harm reduction in a way that doesn't leave these these effects in these neighborhoods? I didn't hear those kind of solutions. So to me, it's not breaking through. It's just loud noise on an issue that people are deeply concerned about. So sure, you can pick a pain point. You can push it. You can get a daily headline. But we need serious people leading Toronto. It's a big, big problem. Where Anthony was right was where he said it's alarming. Of course it's alarming. You know, the province provides the needles, the city puts them in the bags, the harm reduction sites are run by the city. Nobody wants to be providing people this kind of access to these kind of drugs. But the point is, it's to reduce the harm if we didn't. So it's not a situation where we want to do this kind of thing. It's where we have to until our society can compassionately and effectively transitions people into mental health and to re rehabilitation and to housing it's all the same problem so these little props and these little you know pop-up press conferences to me they're not serious 
I sent you some assigned reading this morning. It's a pretty dense uh, feature that appears in a couple of newspapers because it's a collaboration of investigative reporters. But what it boils down to is that racism, and in particular white nationalism, is on the rise in Ontario. And it's increasingly becoming more mainstream. Uh, Mark Warner, again, I'll start with you on this one. Your thoughts? Look, I grew up in Canada. I'm 59 years old, so you're going to have a hard time telling me that racism is on the rise. Okay, I grew up in Nova Scotia, lived in northern Ontario, spent some time in Quebec and Ontario. So I, I don't doubt that there are other people who are experiencing some form of racism now. And because they're newer and different people are experiencing it now, of all sudden it's, hey, there's something new happening here. So I, I, I don't buy any of that. I also have some questions about how you measure some of this stuff. Not everything that is... Uh, against lgbtq people or jewish people for instance are things that i think i would necessarily call hate um, i think they tend to use very broad definitions of these things so I, I i find with these numbers and statistics i i don't have the time i don't have the bandwidth but i need to dig really deep and find out oh are you telling me someone attended an anti-israel event well sorry i don't think that's hate um are you telling me that someone you know doesn't want drag queen story hour sorry i'm sorry i don't think that necessarily tells me they hate transgender people. I just don't buy that. So I, I need to dig into the numbers. It's an interesting sort of thing here. But uh, look, there's a long history of racism in this country. Um, and I don't think it's new. Laura Babcock, I'll turn to you next. I think sort of the overall uh, effect of this particular profile is not necessarily about the kind of traditional racism we've talked about where somebody can't get a home or a job or where they're you know yelled at in the street. This seems to be sort of organized white supremacism, which uh, you know has been on the rise in the U.S. and this report suggests it's also rising here. And that's correct. It is on the rise. So to Mark's point, has hate always existed? Absolutely. In the last five plus years, has it been more visible? Do people feel empowered? Uh, yes, we saw that in the US. We saw it with the Tiki Torches March. We saw it with, you know, stand by and stand back or whatever. Uh, the call out to white supremacists ahead of the January 6th insurrection and sedition, which by the way, some of those white supremacists, one of them got 18 years. 18 years. This is serious stuff. So has hate always been there? Do we have racism in Canada? Yes. But is the front making this front and vocal a threat to people, people in Hamilton who don't want to walk down the street holding hands for fear of violence, people in Hamilton who had to protest in front of City Hall, myself included, when our city politicians would do nothing, when the yellow vesters were screaming homophobic and racist stuff from our front porch of our City Hall? Have we seen violent incidents in our community? Absolutely. And for this bunch of white supremacists who stood on an overpass or the mountain escarpment or whatever in this story, if you're hiding your face or if you're not putting your name to stuff online, you are a coward. There's nothing to be proud about. You're not representing any group or any folk. You are a coward. And what you need to do is get a life, understand that this is a tough world for everyone and that we need to help each other, not this kind of vile garbage. Okay. Tim Hudak, last word. Yeah, I, I'm one with Martin Luther King Jr. That when he said the arc of moral, uh, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice, and, that, and that's been our history. And we've come a long way. Thank God for the internment of the the Japanese in World War II, the turning away of the St. Louis, the virulent anti-Semitism in the King administration, and the the black spot of residential schools. But I, it, I think we've seen a blip back, sadly, John. And, I, and I'm puzzled and worried about why that has been the case. Rising anti-Semitism for sure, and then the actions of white nationalists 
like my, my colleagues here have, have detailed. They need a better understanding of, you know, why that has happened. I suspect it's easier for them to communicate among the tinfoil hats and, and the wackos and justify their existence. But I'd like to see more understanding of why this has grown and put a stop to it. Thank John, you. One quick yes. thought. Go um, ahead. I, I hosted the anti-hate conference in Hamilton last year, and an expert on this said, where fear grows, hate organizes. The fear of the pandemic, the fear of economic inflation, all of it is why we're seeing some of this. Thank you all. Good to have you. Laura Babcock, Tim Hudak, and Mark Warner. Catch the roundtable. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.